Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Steve, we've got a, a third panelist today. <laughs> Malcolm would like to chime in. He's got he's he's got a lot to say. He's got a lot to say on the state of uh, of film at Warner Brothers. Great insight right there. Um, Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. How are you doing, Steve? Having a good week? Yes. Uh, All the moderating because you went to the East Coast fell on me. And last night was our uh, I think like my eighth event in two weeks or something crazy. And every single one went great. Last night we did the world premiere of Red Right Hand in Westwood. Um, but it was a lot, working every day and then moderating every night. Um, and I'm we're not going to do uh, our next two events are March 5th and 6th, right before our South by Studio. So, And I'm going to announce the March 6th screening uh, within the next hour on the website. Very cool. Very exciting. And for the record, I offered to change my trip and you didn't take me up on it, but I'm always there. I'm always there. To I do it. Not, you never, I never heard you say I'll come back early. I, I never heard that out of you. I said it and it's in writing somewhere. I'll always no. come back early to host a Q and a, um, today's, <laughs> today's no. top, uh, today's uh, title topic is a, is a biggie. It's, um, a result of Warner Brothers Discovery's recent earnings call for, for Q4. There's a lot of information from this call out there. Steve and I are going to keep our conversation specific to the film arm of it all. And we're going to mainly pull our source material from a variety article that explains during Friday's Q4 earnings call, David Zaslov's uh, Warner Brothers, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery's CEO, of course, he said that um, James Gunn's Superman legacy is going to start filming next week. And then he went on to say that, or at least this is how Variety paraphrases it. He sounded optimistic when delivering this Superman news. And then this is a direct quote from Zaslav. 
Bottom line, the studio has really been underperforming, including at the end of the year where we had some real struggle. But we're very optimistic about this year, and it has given us the chance to have a lot of upside in the next two years. Steve, do you think this is true? Can Warner Brothers bounce back in 2024? Uh Yes, Warner Brothers can bounce back in 2024 and uh, 2025. But the thing to remember, there's a lot here that people need to remember. Um, It takes time. uh, uh, DeLuca and Pam Abdi, I forget her last name, the new uh, people that run Warner Brothers under David, uh, they only came into the job in the last little bit, like year or two, whatever it is. And it takes years, like plural, for new leadership to come in to fig- to green light movies to figure out what they want to do and then get those movies in theaters. So the new leadership and especially in the last 6 months has been signing a bunch of stuff, you know, Tom Cruise just got signed to something at Warner Brothers. Um there's a whole bunch of stuff that they're working on, but it all takes time to get into theaters. That's number 1. Number 2, the bigger issue. The bigger the biggest issue is what are movie theaters going to be like in 2024? And anyone who says they know the answer to this is lying because you look at the box office of last year and you'll see a lot of films that people expected to make big money that didn't perform. There were two movies, I believe, that made it to a billion dollars. And that was, you know, Barbie. And I think Oppenheimer came really close. Uh, but, you Super know, Mario Robert Brothers. And Super Mario Brothers. OK, so there's three movies. And in previous years, you have like seven to 12 billion dollar movies. And. Like Wonka did 600 million, which is a huge number nowadays, and just shows Timothy Chalamet is a, a massive movie star in Dune 2 is going to make all the money. But what is the new box office norm? A huge hit being 500 million, or is a billion dollars still a possibility? So Warner Brothers can put great movies into the marketplace, but if people are not going to see these movies in the in the numbers that happened pre-COVID then it's not going to matter. And there's only so much money that people can be making now on physical media and the, the take-home dollars that you know normally came after a movie was in theaters. So uh, the movie theater might have fundamentally changed, and no matter what product that the studios are releasing, it might not make the money that it needs to make. Mm-hmm. This is the year, 2024, where we find out a lot of information about the state of the box office. And, you know, it's I'm optimistic because I, I believe that people want to see movies in movie theaters, but a lot of people like watching it on their phone. So what the hell do I know? I mean, it's it's undeniable. Uh, viewer habits, distribution models have changed quite drastically in recent years. And now we're dealing with the repercussions of decisions that were made to adjust to that for better or worse. I think you bring up a lot of good points. I think one of the biggest things with me, with Warner Brothers and its leadership in particular is, and yes, I, I understand this is a business, but I'm also a big believer that the way we treat artists, the way we treat human beings that contribute to making the product that that basically give our business any value is of the utmost importance. And I have a hard time having faith in leadership that does not seem to value that as much as I would like them to. And I really do think that that's something that will eventually come around to to bite them in the you know what. I do think that there's other studio options out there where if someone doesn't feel like their vision is is supported and even safe. The the idea of aligning with a studio that is now 
that has now repeatedly erased films is is a bit disturbing. So until those issues get ironed out, I personally can't have all that much faith in their leadership and the future of Warner Brothers. But if I just narrow it down to the 2024 uh, film schedule for them, I mean, they've they seem to have what they need to, to have a pretty damn good year at the box office or at least box office based on whatever previous trends still stand, and very few do. They've got Dune, of course, coming up very soon, the new Godzilla and Kong movie, Challengers, Furiosa. Um, They also have Twisters, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, and the new Joker movie. Like, There's a pretty solid list of films there. Yeah, all all those films I want to see. But I got to go backwards. Like, listen, I'm obviously just as mad at you at Warner Brothers for making movies disappear. And I truly, truly believe if a film is being erased for a tax break, that this movie should become, the the content should become public domain. Like if the taxpayer is eating said product, then we own it. You know, it shouldn't just go into into nothingness. Um, And that should be the trade-off. But look, Disney Plus erased like Willow and other things. And HBO Max has removed things that I wanted to watch. So I don't personally, like, I think that in the last few months, even after all this erasure at Warner Brothers, people are still signing on to make movies there. There's only so many studios that are making movies that go into theaters. This is not going to hurt them long-term, but I will say it might change contracts in terms of if I was a big star or someone involved in a movie and making a film at Warner Brothers, I would say if this film gets, you know, um, turned into a tax break, X needs to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like protecting yourself now that you understand the parameters. But look, actors are actors, directors are directors, and they there's only so much work out there. So, um, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. But uh, but like, look, but getting back to the subject at hand, yes, Warner Brothers is set up for a great 2024. It's just a question of are people going to the movies? Yeah. Uh, just in case anyone was confused about me putting twisters on the list, this is accurate. So that is something worth uh, worth keeping in mind there. And also just, you know, to go back to the idea of erasing products. I think the difference between, let's say, Willow and Batgirl is that at least people got to see willow i mean batgirl's just never gonna be seen yeah, which is, is wild to me but i think erasing erasing art is like horrific no matter when it happens and i i don't think that should be allowed to happen uh, listen, but- I'm, I'm in full agreement saying that i spoke to multiple people that have seen batgirl and every single person said it was unreleasable like this wasn't like a coyote uh versus acme situation where people were like because I've spoken to people that saw that too. And the, the the crazy praise on Twitter for Coyote versus Acme is not what I heard from people that saw it that are not on Twitter just screaming how awesome it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I heard it was good, but it wasn't anything like – and again, I, I haven't seen it. I don't know. I heard it was good, but not like, oh, my God, this is the second coming movie. You know, mm-hmm. like, but it, no one said it was a bad movie, there, but everyone said Batgirl was not releasable. 
I still don't like erasing, erasing people's work. And then also, you know, when you're talking about those particular types of reactions, that's like a like a teeny tiny inside baseball uh, pool of people versus the widest possible viewership. And I don't know, just as a really big believer that every single movie out there has a fan, like even if it has a zero on Rotten Tomatoes, I bet you anything someone out there loves that movie. And I like to I like to respect that. And I, I always look forward to to people finding those special somethings, even if it's something that the majority say is, is unreleasable or unwatchable. Again, if a film gets killed for a tax break, it should become public domain. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. That is the trade-off as a studio. You want the tax break, the movie gets to come out and people own it. You know, you get to watch it on YouTube for free. That's a I'll fair trade. That. And I'll that will stop that. people from just like destroying art without you see what I mean? I'll I'll take that. I mean, I'm probably not thinking about other wrinkles that could come with something like that, but but I don't know. I just I just want these movies to see the light of day. We have a super chat from Mike K. Despite my frustrations with David Zaslav's leadership, I still want WB to succeed, mostly for the sake of the filmmakers and the projects they have currently lined up. A very fair point right there, Mike. I yeah. think uh I think both of us are in agreement with that statement. Yeah, I, I, I listen fully. I, I I want movies to do awesome. I want every movie to be awesome, and I want them to make huge money because the more money movies make, the more they're going to release, and yes. the more movies I get to watch, and the more movies we get to discuss. So that's the reason why this box office this year is so concerning to me, and why I want all these movies to overperform. Yes, I I like that. I want them to overperform so that we have more great stuff. To- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com cover um here's something hopefully great that we'll have to cover in the future our second topic today is an update on the game of thrones franchise i'm going to read a little from tv lines report on this one game of thrones second spinoff is targeting a 2025 debut during their q4 earnings call uh zaslav announced that a knight of the seven kingdoms the hedge knight will premiere in late 2025 the prequel was formally announced in April 2023. The series will be written and executive produced by Martin and Ira Parker. Here, just in case you need a little information on what the series is, is a, is a quote from, uh, from the TV line report. A century before the events of Game of Thrones, two unlikely heroes wandered Westeros. Uh, that comes from the previously released official logline. It continues, a young, naive, but courageous knight, Sir Duncan the Tall, a.k.a. Dunk, and his diminutive squire, Egg, Oh, that's not a sentence. Um, Sorry. Set in an age when the Targaryen line still holds the Iron Throne and the memory of the last dragon has not yet passed from living memory. Great destinies, powerful foes and dangerous exploits all await these improbable and incomparable friends. So, Steve, how are you feeling about yet another Game of Thrones spinoff? And Maybe also the time between that and the next season of House of the Dragon, given how often we're talking about IP fatigue right now. So I think 
that this is a no-brainer that they have to do another uh, spin-off just because it's such a monetary gain for the studio and their their profitable endeavors. People love Game of Thrones. House of the Dragon is their biggest hit at Max HBO. Um, I think that the key is trying to make it so you have a release schedule of these shows that um, you know the fifty-two weeks in the year. These shows are going to be eight episodes each. And so you release one in the summer, one in the winter, and then, you know, you're keeping people invested in Westeros. Um, and this also, I like the idea that it's a completely different show than mm-hmm. House of the Dragon, you know, and that's the thing is you don't want to have uh, one of the problems when they were releasing, not to get back to Star Wars, but releasing Star Wars in theaters, you had all these different characters and, you know, different movies going. And it was a little confusing, I think, to some people. And what I like about this is this is, can be completely separate series. The real question is, can they get three series on the air at the same time? Because to me, that might be audience, not fatigue, but confusion, you know, trying to distinguish between three of them. But it's clear that they're going to mine Game of Thrones as hard as they can mm-hmm. and dig as deep as they can uh, until they hit, you know, the, the lava and it burns everything. Yeah. You know? Um, but I, I think that the other thing is that... Um, trying to the problem is making a release schedule so in an ideal situation they're they're filming the season three of house of the dragon this summer to make next summer you know what i mean like just always being ahead um anyway yeah i'm i'm kind of in line with you i just hope they find the right they continue to find rather the right spacing for these series because it is something i i worry about often and given the conversation we were having earlier i do think one of the adjustments we're going to see a lot of studios make is is producing less content which would make it more manageable for us to watch as much as possible i also think they're going to lower a lot of budgets so we'll we'll see if that actually happens but i do always fear within a particular franchise too much might create that fatigue and might cause disinterest because i mean maybe it's just me because i have a completist mindset but i am often deterred I often steer away from keeping up with a franchise that I find overwhelming to keep up with. And one of the things that I love most about House of the Dragon is that, yes, I do think it becomes a stronger series when you have the foundation that Game of Thrones set, or at least if you're not a book reader. If you went to Game of Thrones cold and then watch House of the Dragon, I think, you know, House of the Dragon does get stronger because you have the foundation of knowledge that Game of Thrones provided. But I also think... House of the Dragon functions as a really successful on-ramp for people who hadn't watched Game of Thrones. I think that's the key with the success of any growing franchise, but also I would like to be a longtime fan who feels it's manageable to keep up with her favorite things. Listen, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think House of the Dragon is designed to last seven or eight seasons. I mean, Probably I think not. that they've talked about, I could be wrong, but I think they've talked about it being like a four or five season show. Um and so, look, I, eight episodes every year of a series is very easy to do. And again, Game of Thrones, like House of the Dragon got huge numbers. So popular. You, you have to do more with Game of Thrones. Like, you, you just have to. And it sells merchandise. And it's like their most popular thing. So it makes sense. It's just a question of how many things can you put on the air, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, you know, if I was Warner Brothers... I would be thinking about, you know, what is the two, three hour movie from Game of Thrones that we can put in a movie theater 
that um, because that's ultimately there's a ton of money there. So it's like, okay, what what's the two and a half hour movie? What's the three hour movie that's Game of Thrones esque? Uh, because you know that's coming at some point. I would also just watch an episode of House of the Dragon in the movie theaters. Those are so damn cinematic. Why not? Why not? Perry, I've had this conversation with so many effing people. There are so like I, we just did Constellation, the app, the new Apple TV yeah. series. The first episode of Constellation looks like a movie. They recreated the ISS space station in the largest soundstage in Germany, where they filmed Metropolis, and they built the ISS space station. So when you're watching Numi on the station out in space, you're watching a movie. These the production value when you're spending that much money, these shows should be watched in a movie theater, but they don't do it. Like you know, Silo uh, on Apple TV. That I would watch that in a movie theater. There, there's a lot of these I'd watch in a movie theater. I'm just looking at it. What 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 was the series? Um, the Chosen, The Chosen season four. Yeah. Right now, it's episodes four through six that are at the the top of the box, not the top, but number five on the uh, the weekend box office charts. So, I don't know. Way, maybe look, TV in the theaters could be something. Those don't look like movies. That's just a TV show that people I are going to see. I'm telling you, it's a TV show that people are watching in a movie theater. The the high budget shows like House of the Dragon or anything that costs like 15 million or above, these yeah. have incredible production value and you can watch it in a movie theater and you'd be fine. I will also say, and just to plug our own screening series, when we screened those two episodes of Extraordinary, I mean, it's it's not like a big budget epic like Game of Thrones. It's very much, you know, like an like an intimate comedy. But being able to experience that with a whole group of the a uh, whole group of people in a packed house and have that shared laugh together, yeah. I mean, I, I love that show. I'll happily watch it over and over by myself at home all the time. But if I had more opportunities to share that experience with others, like we just did, I would take it in a heartbeat. Listen, some of the best screenings we've done have been TV. We did Andor on the Disney lot, the first three episodes. We did the Andy Circus arc on the uh, in a movie theater on the Disney lot with Andy Serkis. Um, we've done a lot of TV. Yeah. Uh, we did For All Mankind, the finale recently. Like, I'm saying to you, these shows look incredible, mm-hmm. and it's a shame they're not in, they're not offered uh, more in, in theaters. Yep, absolutely. Um, so we wanted to close out today's episode with like a feel-good story, a cool story that should be celebrated. I'll read from our Collider article. Um, a group of film directors have officially taken ownership of the historic Village Theater in Westwood. This 93-year-old cinema palace celebrated for its towering structure, neon sign, and one of Los Angeles' largest screen is now under the stewardship of these individuals. Their main goal is to maintain the legendary architectural treasure and transform it into a cultural landmark that honors the cherished tradition of movie watching. The cinema will present a diverse lineup of first-run movies and selected films chosen by its new di- new directors and owners. It will offer a range of projection options, including 35mm, 70mm, and digital formats. It felt important to name drop these individuals because I think, I think this is something special that we should celebrate. So here it goes. Jason Reitman, J.J. Abrams, Judd Apatow, Damien Chazelle, Chris Columbus, Ryan Coogler, Bradley Cooper, Alfonso Caron, Jonathan Dayton, Guillermo del Toro, Valerie Farris, Hannah Fidel, Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu, James Gunn, Sean Heater, Ryan Johnson, Gil Keenan, Karin Kusama, Justin Lin, Phil Lord, David Lowry, Christopher McQuarrie, Chris Miller, 
Christopher Nolan, Alexander Payne, Todd Phillips, Gina Prince-Bythewood, Jay Roach, Seth Rogen, Emma Seligman, Brad Silberling, Steven Spielberg, Emma Thomas, Denis Villeneuve, Lulu Wang, and Chloe Zhao. Thank you. Thank you. I am so excited to be able to experience what I'm sure is going to be a cinematic mecca. Yeah. First of all, the Village Theater in Westwood, if you're not familiar, is where they've done countless premieres. I mean, just countless. It is uh, one of my favorite theaters on the planet. It holds 1,200 people. It is a movie palace. And in Westwood, there used to be a lot of these movie palaces. Uh, Zodiac used to, if you watch Zodiac and tons of other movies, there was a, a great movie palace down the road from the village, which has since closed. A bunch of them have closed. And while the village is a historic landmark, it was being sold for $12 million. And, you know, movie theaters might be a dying art form. And it is so important that, a, that this theater, it's like on the same level as the Chinese, that it, uh, that it got saved. And what I love about these filmmakers all saving it is that it means that when a movie premiere is happening in the future with these filmmakers, chances are it's going to be in Westwood. Mm. Uh, and uh, I prefer Westwood movie premieres to Hollywood by a mile, unless you're at the Chinese theater, which is an IMAX theater and it's spectacular. But the village just has this great atmosphere. Um, and what I also love about this is I was in Westwood last night. That's where we did our uh, movie premiere uh, literally last night. And there are like, um, there's like an area right by the entrance that's not being used. And what they're going to do is they're going to put in, um, you know, props and cool stuff that, to make it so people like when they go there to see a movie, they're going to see other cool stuff. But ultimately also, you know, you can imagine there's going to be more screenings there with these filmmakers doing Q and A's. And I'm just really happy this theater got saved. And the, the advance, what I love about Los Angeles, especially the last few years is how many filmmakers have been saving movie theaters and buying movie theaters to, you know, Quentin Tarantino owns a few, all these filmmakers now own the village. Um, uh, like it's just fantastic. And Netflix just revitalized the Egyptian on, you know, Hollywood Boulevard and redid it for the 1920s. And it's spectacular in there, mm -hmm. like just amazing. And, you know, uh, in this day and age where movie theaters are closing and, um, you know, theater chains are going out of business and who knows what's going to happen with the future. You know, these movie theaters are going to be around and it's great. Yeah, um, I can't say enough good things about this story. And, you know, I don't want to imply that that studios can't have a similar impact, but the thought of people who I know to my core are are like, film first elements of this business like they, they're always going to go in with the purest intentions and want the best for the other people in this industry and the product that they make i just feel like that's going to create a lot of really special places there but also other theaters that wind up under similar ownership so i kind of hope this sparks a trend because i like these people and i like what it could mean for the future of movie going in la and hopefully beyond with yeah, that, one last thing. All we need now is for them to announce the uh, reopening date of the ArcLight yes, Hollywood, please. and um, I will be incredibly happy because the Cinerama Dome is sitting empty and has been for years. And that is, and your cat did something. No, it actually wasn't him. I think someone might have like slammed a door because a lot of stuff just fell off the wall. 
Um, yeah, not not here. I've already experienced my earthquake in the middle of my Madam Web interview. I think I'm good for a little while. Um, with that, we are out of here for this Friday and for this week. Before we say goodbye, is there anything you'd like to promote, Steve? That's a good question. No. Well, I'm going to announce the next Mar- the March 6th screening in the next hour once I can finish writing it up. All right. Keep an eye out for that, everyone. I will take a moment to let you know that the Sophie Wilde uh, Ladies Night is up and running on this very YouTube channel. And then tomorrow, I could say it this time because I have checked a cut of it. It's great. It's ready to roll. The next edition of Collider Ladies Night is with Beanie Feldstein for Drive Away Doll. She's one of my favorite people in this business. I think she's hugely talented and just a ray of light. So it was a real honor to have her on the show. And you'll be able to see that tomorrow right here on this YouTube channel. With that, we will say goodbye. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. And we will see you on Monday for a brand new edition of Collider Dailies. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast. And I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.